Well, a very good evening to everybody. It's a good night to get out. I walked along without an umbrella. And I stood in the uh, uh, changing rooms, toilets, busy with paper towels drying me off. It was a, a good experience. It was also uh, good to hear from Philip and Aggie. And what they said leads really nicely into tonight's passage. It was great to hear some of the words that they were using. I wonder if you picked up on those words. Words like passion and heart and call and love. And I hope it was as clear to you as what it was to me listening that they really felt the sense of God's calling to India. And this evening, that's what I'd like us to look at from Acts 13. I'd like us to focus on our calling. Let's pray. And then we'll take a look at Acts 13. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you most of all for saving us. We thank you for speaking to us through your word. And we thank you for using us in your divine purposes in this world. Amen. So uh, sometimes, coming to the Bible, we're uh, a bit spoiled for choice. And it's hard to choose what to focus on. It's, uh, it's like a child walking into a sweet shop. The shelves are packed with interesting colors and yummy sweets. And mum says, and mum says these dreaded words. You can only choose one. Tonight's passage, the whole of Acts is pretty much like the sweet shop, uh, which contains a variety of interesting treats that we could enjoy. The Acts 13 sweet shop includes revisiting some of the key themes we've seen in Acts over the last few weeks. We see the word of God, which is powerful and unstoppable. It's the word of God that brings salvation. We see that it's the spirit that guides and enables. We see the church being established and the gospel going out to all nations. It can't be stopped. It's open to all. First for the Jews, and now every nationality. And it will get to the ends of the earth. The gospel kingdom has no border control, knows no executive orders, and no one that puts their trust in Jesus will be turned away. The problem a child faces in a well-stocked sweet shop is making a choice. Do you go for a little of everything, quickly grabbing one here, one there? Or do you find one large helping and get your teeth into that? Tonight we're going to go for one sweet. And I want us to investigate and apply the first few verses of Acts 13. Thinking about calling or being set apart. I pray that tonight we may have a clearer idea of our calling. Both generally and specifically. The first thing I want us to think about this evening is that Christians are called. Now, generalizations are dangerous. While generally true, that's not always the case. I've been uh, in England now for five years. I have uh, indefinite leave to remain, which seems like a bit of a, a strange way to put it. But in the time that I've been here, I'm always asked, what's the thing you notice that's different between the English and the British and I'm always nervous at that point because I think I'm, they're trying to catch me out. I think the big difference 
is that the English are nice. And uh, we've been blessed to have experienced some of that love and care. But sometimes, I think, some of the English can be too nice. And in a sermon, you're not supposed to say you. You're supposed to say we. In this case, I can say you, the English. Avoid confrontation. Uh, with our youth team, sometimes I have to tell the, the volunteer, guys, you're being too nice. You actually need to tell the young people off sometimes. But the volunteers are just nice. Now, it's generally true that the English are nice, but I have met a few exceptions. Now, there's a generalization that is true. It's without exception, and it's this. Christians are called. If you call Jesus your Lord, you are called. You're called to be part of God's plan, to be a witness, to get the gospel out there. The pages of the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, are filled with commands for God's people to get out there, to tell people about God, to proclaim and to witness. Psalm 105, verse 1 says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. We know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Jesus says a similar thing in Mark 16. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Paul, in Acts 13.47, in his sermon, he makes this comment, quoting from Isaiah 49. He says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. We can't dodge the fact that Christians are called. We may not like it. And so as I'm saying this, are we thinking of excuses? Perhaps squirming in our seats, getting angry about preachers who bang on about evangelism or stamping our feet in refusal? Can I say that our calling is why we're here? Not while we're here in church, but it's why we're here on earth. It's why you're not taken up to heaven as soon as you become a Christian. As soon as you become a believer, God keeps you here because you have a mission. As believers, our main acts of faith are five things. Worship. Relating to God in word, relating to God in prayer, fellowship with other believers, and sharing the gospel. Getting out there and telling people about Jesus. Four of those we'll do in heaven. And one of them we won't. It's our time now to tell people about Jesus. You see, God loves the world so much that He gave us his son to die for us. But God didn't leave it at that. God left us here to tell people about what Jesus has done for us. We're called to do it. I doubt this is new to us. We know this. We may not like it. But we do know it. I want us all to know this evening that we're called generally to serve God and to serve the gospel, to proclaim God's glory to everyone. But I think this passage shows us 
that Christians are also called specifically. And the big question is, what are we called to specifically? What are we called to to make this gospel mission work? What is our part? And how do us as individuals fit into this bigger picture? We are all different, with different gifts, passions, and personalities. I believe we know this, but let me reinforce it. We're not all expected to be preachers or Sunday school teachers or evangelists, youth leaders or missionaries. Not all of us can directly have a gospel conversation with somebody. It was terrifying for me to go to a restaurant with my friend Tony. Tony just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. Tactfully and creatively, he'd share the gospel with the, the waiter or the waitress. And every single time we went out, it was consumer evangelism. Intentionally going to the same bank, the same shop, the same hairdresser or the same restaurant so he could build relationships and follow up on his gospel telling. Tony had a specific calling. It was very direct. Even now I think of some of the things Tony said and makes me shudder in my boots. I'm not a Tony and it's very likely that very few of us are. But we are called and hopefully there's no debate about that. The specifics and the details of our calling perhaps are. In our reading, we see that Paul and Barnabas are called to a specific ministry. Take a look at verse 2 in chapter 13. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And notice we're not actually told what Paul's calling is here. But we should know what it is. Um, Take a look with me at Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9 and specifically verse 15. So Paul's just been converted. Uh, The Lord appears to Ananias and tells him to go and pray for Paul. Ananias protests. He says, don't you know who this guy is? And then the Lord replies with these words in verse 15. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. You see, God is clear to Ananias. Paul's mission was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And I missed it the first time I read, but also to the Jews. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he makes it very much clearer that he's calling is to take the gospel to Gentiles specifically. Galatians 1, 15 to 16 is clearer. Paul is this to say, But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Called from his mother's womb. To preach to the Gentiles. Galatians 2 verse 9. And recognizing that the grace that had been given to me. James and Cephas and John. Who were reputed to be pillars. 
gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Paul's call generally was to get the gospel out there. Specifically, his call was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And in Acts 13, we have a transition from missionary and from mission, primarily to the Jews, to a ministry focusing on Gentiles. We see that in two ways in Acts 13. The first is Paul's permanent name change from Saul, which was a Jewish name, to Paul, which is a Greco-Roman name, a Gentile name. We also see the move from following the mission of Peter all up, up, up until now in Acts. We've seen the mission of Peter. In Acts 13, it changes and the focus becomes on Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. Paul's call was to go to the Gentiles. And it all started in a church in Antioch. A church that was itself filled with Gentiles. A church that had African, Asian and Jewish leaders. A church that had at its heart a ministry leadership of five Bible teachers. A church that seemed to be built on worshipping God. Not just through song, but through prayer, fasting, teaching, and so on. And it's from this devotion that the church is directed by the Holy Spirit to send out Paul and Barnabas to the work to which they have been called. Now, we're not sure it happened. Was it an audible voice from the Holy Spirit that they heard? Was it someone's idea from within the group as they were discussing and praying and looking at God's word and gained support from the others as they prayed and fasted? And it became clear in that way that it's what the Holy Spirit wanted. However it happened, there was no doubt to those gathered that Paul and Barnabas were called by the Spirit. I think that raises for us today, how do we know when we've been called by the Spirit to something? There are different ways for us to hear the Spirit's calling. And it's certainly not limited to some of these. Perhaps you hear a voice telling you what to do. And it's as clear as we hear each other speak. The voice tells you, Go here, do that. Share the gospel with them. Maybe that's not your experience. Maybe it's people. It could be that those around you are telling you, as they see your gifts and abilities, man, you're great with kids. Be a great Sunday school teacher. It's a tap on the shoulder. And that's especially true if it's a pattern from different sources. When there's lots of people around you saying, I think you should be doing this. Maybe it's the word. The Spirit could call you as you immerse yourself in the Word of God. And you just know that this is where God is leading you, that this is what God wants you to do. And as a result of reading the Word, the Spirit lays something on your heart. Maybe it's a passion you have for something. For Philip and Aggie, it was a passion for India. Listen to your passion. It could be that God has placed that passion there for you because he's calling you to a specific ministry. Maybe you have a holy discontent or a burden for an injustice 
something that stirs up a righteous indignation. You can't tolerate this thing continuing. It drives you nuts. You need to fix it. Maybe God put that there. Maybe contentment. Once you try something, you just, you just know. It just feels right. It's hitting a cricket ball in the sweet spot of the bat. It gives that great sound and the ball travels for miles. You just know. It provides a deep joy and a satisfaction and the fruits act as confirmation. I think often discerning our calling is not clear. It is hard work to figure it out. And it's not always as clear as what it is to what it was for Paul. He has some things I think we can try. We need to listen. We need to listen to God's word. We need to listen out for his voice. And we need to listen to those around us. What are they saying? What is God saying to us? The second thing I think we can do to help understand our specific calling more is to ask. It's to go to God and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to be? How can I fulfill your purposes of proclaiming the gospel in this world? And then ask people, as they watch you minister, as they watch you serve, ask them, what do you think? Where do you think I should be? Not because you want a pat on the back or you want some confirmation or um, uh, compliments and things like that, but go to them and say, where is it, Lord? Oh, sorry, where is it, my friend, that you want me to be? They might give you confirmation in an unusual way. They might say to you, well, Grant, it's definitely not that. Use those. God will use the people to tell us where he wants us. The third one I think is the most most helpful, is indeed be the most helpful one for me, is just to try things. Get out there and do things. Get involved in the church. Try different ministries. Try speaking to different people. Get involved Something like a holiday club. It's a one-sort thing. It'll give you a clear idea. Once you walk into those doors and this room is filled with 50 children, you will know straight away, probably, if God has called you to mission with children. A friend of mine in Cape Town was dying to get involved in our children's ministry. And um, I said to her, Sonia, you're welcome to come visit whenever you like. And she came one Friday evening and she walked in by the doors she saw the kids running around chasing each other. She just turned around and she walked out and Sonia never spoke to me about children's ministry again. There are others who've come in and they've tried something and it's just worked. And they said, this is right. Try things out. So I wonder, as we're here this evening thinking about calling, do you know what your specific calling is? Keep in mind, calling can change. I felt clearly my calling change in, in small ways. I'll always want to be reaching children and young people with the gospel. My heart bleeds for that. It's just what makes me tick. But specifically, it changes. Conferences, books, prayer, and people have often honed my calling and said, I get a feeling this is where you need to be. You need to be focusing on this. You need to be working with this age group. You need to be sharing this. You need to be doing it this way. Your calling can change. So keep asking yourself questions and keep listening So do you know what you're called to? In the general sense, your answer should be yes. 
I am called. I'm called to further the advance of the gospel. I'm called to be involved in some way in the proclamation of the gospel. In the specific sense, you may not know yet. God may still be shaping you, shaping your calling. But he does have a specific calling for you because he has a specific role or various roles for you to fulfill. Paul says God knew what his calling was while he was in the womb. Being a Christian means being part of a new family. With God the Father as our Father. With Jesus as our big brother, with other Christians, our brothers and sisters. See, the new family has a business. A family business. It's our command and our pleasure to get involved in the family business of telling others about Jesus. You are called, generally, and you are called specifically. God has a plan for you to reach those whom he wants to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Paul and for Barnabas. We thank you that in their lives we sense people that were called to do your work. Lord, we long to have that same conviction, to be clear on what it is that you want us to do. Lord, please help us as we think about our calling, that you will help show us where it is that you want us serving, what it is you want us to be doing, and how we can partake in the mission of proclaiming your name. Lord, don't let us rest until we know what that is. Amen.